0: Welcome to episode 27 of Sharing Life Lessons. This is season 3. Together, we are creating a library of stories. I am your host, Hamida, and I want to bring you stories. Because stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. Listeners, before I introduce our guest for today, I need to remind you of a couple of things. I'm being critiqued for not reminding you these things for very many episodes so firstly if you are enjoying this podcast and if you are listening via apple podcast i request you to please leave a rating and most definitely leave a review secondly Again, if you're enjoying this podcast, and if you want to support the continuation and enhancement of this podcast, you can go to anchor.fm. The link is in the show notes. You will see a button there with a dollar sign. If you click on that button, you will be able to become a monthly subscriber of, of any amount of your choice and as low as 99 cents per month. Now over to introducing our guest for today. She is a senior diversity and inclusion consultant, and she's also a fellow podcaster. I listened to a couple of her episodes, and I knew that she had a story, and so I invited her to become a guest on Sharing Life Lessons. Everyone, let's welcome Yasmin Firani. Welcome to Sharing Life Lessons, Yasmin. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on this show. I'm so delighted to have you on the show.
1: Thank you so much, Hamida. I am equally excited and delighted to be here. I've been following your podcast for some time now, so definitely honored to be a guest on this show.
0: Oh, you are a fellow podcaster. So Yasmin, start us off by telling us something about yourself and definitely tell us about your podcast. Sure.
1: So I'm Yasmin Varani. I live in Great Falls, Virginia, Uh, husband, and two kids. Professionally, I'm a diversity and inclusion consultant. I really enjoy that type of work. And in terms of my podcast, it's called Brown Colored Glasses. It is a podcast that focuses on diversity and all things from that lens for South Asians. So I began that during lockdown a couple of months ago. So I'm seven episodes in and I've done several topics like the taboo of mental health and divorce. I started off with unconscious bias, post-George Floyd, and just really enjoying the journey.
0: So would love for listeners to subscribe. Yes, listeners, if you are interested in that topic, then please go to the show notes. You'll find the link there. And Yasmin, you also have two lovely little kids. Tell us a little bit about your kids.
1: Oh, yes. So
0: I've got my... Eight-year-old daughter, Iman, who
1: is a very different type of girl. She's not a girly girl. She is totally into American Ninja Warrior. She's actually part of a competitive team. And so it's interesting. Even I talk about diversity, right? So I have diversity even within my own household in terms of me having a vision of what my daughter was going to grow up to be. And what she is ending up being, which is very interesting. And then I also have my three-year-old son, Zarek, who is our little baba, as we call him. And just
0: the light of our lives. Mm, I love that age. So, Yasmin, thank you for that introduction. Do go ahead and please tell us your story. I can't wait to hear your story. Sure.
1: So... Where do I start? You know, I'll start a little bit towards where I was born and brought up because I think that adds a little bit to my story. I was actually born in Dubai, but I consider myself to be a Pakistani. Both my parents are from Pakistan. So I was, you know, brought up and raised as a Pakistani. My dad moved early on in his career to Dubai. So I was born and raised for about 10 years. I'm also the youngest of three, so when my parents decided to migrate, like I said, I was only 10 years old, fourth, fifth grade, assimilating into the American society, and so I think from an early age, I had uh, been exposed to different cultures and how to assimilate and maybe reconcile those differences. I may not have known at the time, but that's actually what I was going through and I share that because I feel that has a link to my story that I will share with you so fast forward on I had my parents moved to Atlanta so lived there for the majority of my life before I got married my husband's from DC so I moved to DC and started working there within the management consulting field for what was that 11 years of my life. What I want to share is that I gained a lot from working in that field. So I had the opportunity to do process improvements, different types of business propositions with government clients and opportunity to be a team player and lead some of those. But I guess what I'm getting at is that really didn't satisfy me internally. And I think I kind of knew that as I was doing it, but it was one of those things where it was a good paycheck. It was a steady job. I'd held it for so many years. I had my daughter while I was working there. I had my son while I was working there. And it was just one of those things that became almost second nature. I I knew so many people at the company. I had built up my resume there and my tenure there. But in terms of just inner satisfaction and joy from doing the work, I didn't have it. And I think I was for a really long time lying to myself by making myself believe that it was a decent job and I was gaining the right experience and maybe hoping for it to lead me to something. And I don't think it ever did for me personally.
0: Yes, and that's very interesting because I think there are many out there who are in this exact same position. So I want to ask you, at what point did you even realize or what happened where you even knew that your heart was not in this job?
1: So I'll share a story there. I would say around 2014, I looked around my company and it was interesting. I saw a very sort of uniform, homogeneous type of demographic within managers and C-suites. I didn't identify myself as a woman of color with any of those people. And again, I'll mention this was around 2014. Within diversity and inclusion, I'll do some education now for the listeners. There is something called ERGs, which is employee resource groups, which has become very mainstream now. I mean, the DNI has become very mainstream now, especially post George Floyd, which is a great thing. Like companies are taking stock and ownership of that, which is good.
0: But I, I just want to mention to the listeners, DNI is diversity and inclusion. It's just the abbreviation. And that's what we we'll continue using from here on.
1: Great. Thank you. I should have done that too, but thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. So In terms of going back to my company and my experience, there were no ERGs at the time, which is fine, right? I think this concept has developed some more within the last few years, but I wanted to do something about it. I was like, I'm not feeling a connection with those that I'm working with. I don't really see a path for me to advance, and I wanted to take a stance and do something about it. So I approached senior leadership. I put a whole proposal together about why we should have a resource group for women, specifically what that would do for the business, what that would do for the company culture. And at the time, I'll tell you, there was one white woman senior leader. And I, of course, being a woman, approached her. She loved the idea, was completely sold on it and said, she was going to get back to me and surely she did get back to me but the answer was the company is not ready I shared the idea with other senior leaders and they feel that it's going to be very sort of exclusive why create this platform for women they just didn't believe in it and of course being that I was working there I was like okay they're just not ready yet so years passed by And around 2017, when I was on maternity leave with my son, they reached out and they said, we're ready. We're ready now. And we remember that you had come to us with this charge. So do you want to lead it? And I said, sure, I I will lead this and went back in after my maternity leave and started leading the charge. And by that, I mean, building ground up the women's forum at the company, putting together an entire leadership team. And mind you all these people are working on a voluntary basis they still have their day jobs they're still doing consulting work for their clients but they really wanted to devote time to this because they believed in it and they were you know passionate about it like i was you know meeting during lunch hours to brainstorm events what was the forum going to provide for the women i had executive sponsors from the company that were tied to it. So it really became a huge thing. We had 200 members subscribe. We had a newsletter that was going out. We were doing monthly events. All of a sudden, other ERGs started popping up. ERGs meaning employee resource groups. And it, it slowly but surely, the company culture was moving towards this very sort of accepting of diverse people, And looking at them as a holistic individual rather than just what they're bringing professionally, and so all of that was great. But at the end of the day, I was doing it voluntarily. I still had my day job. I still had my consulting gig that I was doing for you know the clients that I was working. And I realized that I needed to flip it. I I really needed to do diversity and inclusion as my work. Like that's really what I wanted to do. And I realized that because. I was passionate about it. I'm going to top myself a little bit here, but I was good at it. I was able to create a group ground up that became very successful. And there was a lot of work that went into that. It didn't just spring about. But what that told me was that it's time, right? I needed to find something that is going to bring me that satisfaction and that inner sort of peace towards what I'm doing and feeling my passion and my work is intertwining and combining. And so I approached the company and I said, I want to do this full-time. I think you need a DNI person. And this is, again, pre-George Floyd. We're talking in December of 2019, I approached them. And again, the answer was, we're not ready. And that was when I I think I had that aha moment that I can't be a part of this anymore. I need to cut my ties at this point and find a path for myself. So, in terms of your whole topic, sharing life lessons, what I would say to someone maybe who is in a similar boat with their profession or with the work that they do and feel like there is a connection lacking or that they're really moving towards a brick wall. I mentioned that as an analogy because I think that's what I was going through. I was constantly going through this wall and getting slammed and getting the rejection, also getting some wins but mostly getting, you know, rejected that oh, it's not time, oh, we're not ready, oh, come back to us. And it was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I think I'm going to, like I said, cut my losses right now and move on and do something that I really want to do. So I did that. So in January, I left the company and I decided that I was going to regroup myself for a couple of months. And by that, I mean really take stock of my skill set. So not only the experience that I gained while working there, but... Also, what other skills did I really need to enhance my knowledge and my experience in diversity and inclusion? And so I started to work towards that. One of the things that I did was create my podcast. And the lens that I took was the South Asians because that's what I identify with. I'm a South Asian woman. But looking at diversity of thought from that angle. Another thing that I did was I took the Certified Diversity Professional uh, course. It was an eight-week course, online, of course, during lockdown, and another opportunity to once again enhance knowledge, learn from others within the field, connect with like-minded people, and now I feel like I'm ready to also apply my skills towards an organization and so I'm interviewing. I'm interviewing for roles for different opportunities. And ironically, I mentioned earlier, George Floyd. So George Floyd happened. And what you will see is that the spike in diversity and inclusion initiatives at companies has just skyrocketed.
0: I'm not surprised.
1: It's interesting because it shouldn't have taken George Floyd for them to do that. hmm But- On the positive side, it's good that they are taking stock of that and putting resources, whether in terms of hiring and budget and doing different things, to enhance that. Because let's face it, the world that we live in today is very diverse. It is very global. We're dealing with millennials that are really our future. So millennials, the way they think and the way they operate, their work is an extension of themselves. You know, Whereas us and maybe people that are older than us were able to distinguish between this is my work and this is who I am on a personal level, millennials don't do that. Everything is intertwined. Mm-hmm. And so the reason I say that is because whatever organization they end up being with has to mirror their own internal values. Yep. And if they don't see that, if they don't see the connection and the link, they will not be a part of them.
0: They're not going to be happy employees and would want to jump ship, which they are okay with doing too. Millennials, like you said, are very in tune with who they are. And if the company values do not match their values, they have no issues with moving on to other companies that share their values. And again, I just want to say, Yasmin, what took you 11 years, which is exactly why you moved. You realized that your values weren't being mirrored by your company right? And so it took you that long. Fortunately, it does not take that long for the millennials and they will move away. But I have two questions for you, very different questions first. ERGs, as you call them, are now, as you said, mainstream. And I've had them in the companies that I've worked for too. But I've also seen that there are those who will become part of it and there are those who stay at their desks with their heads in their work and not take part in it. Can you tell us what are the advantages of participating in ERGs and what did the women's forum that you started, what kind of impact did that have on the women that attended?
1: Absolutely, so I think you're right. There are many different kinds of people, some that will feel like, oh, this is just another event that's being hosted, a group that just does events and I really don't have time for that. So I think they're looking at ERGs from that lens. What what I provided with the women's forum was had many different aspects to it. So there was a networking piece, providing social events where you have senior leaders or managers be a part of that event where women, and honestly, even men, even though the majority that attended were women, there were men that also participated. And you actually want that because you want the men to be able to understand the lens of women and help to further their careers as well. Mm-hmm. So going back to what the women's forum that I did provided was these networking opportunities events that happened, but really pointed events. So by that, what I mean is the speakers that we brought in were very particular in their topics and who they were. So for example, I had a veteran woman leader within the government come and talk about her life experience and her trajectory and how if somebody, if there were people that wanted to be leaders within that space, how would they go about doing it? Very particular, right? And not only that, but there was also an intersection with the veteran ERG group, because like I had said, there were other ERGs that were popping up. So there was lots of intersectional events. And that's also a really big word, by the way, within diversity and inclusion is intersectionality. And what that means is that your identity is very multifaceted. So I'm not just a woman, right? I'm also a a wife and, you know, a mother and a worker. So networking opportunities, pointed events with speakers, volunteering opportunities. Now I bring that up because that's really important too. So tying in back to the millennials that we talked about in terms of their values, volunteering is a big thing. So aligning whatever ERG it is with an association that... Uh, sort of mirrors those values. That's huge, right?
0: That is huge. And that is interesting. And I'm sure that is what brought satisfaction to the members of this women's group that you put together. But my other question to you is, you said when you left, you took stock of your skill set. You regrouped with yourself. Can you talk a bit about that? Because like I said, there may be so many in this situation who maybe don't know what the next step is. So if you just can talk to that a bit.
1: Sure. Yeah, so I did that January of this year. And again, I'm not going to say I had all the answers when I did that. I think I realized and I made the decision that, okay, I can't be part of this anymore. I know what I want. I'm not fully sure what that means concretely, but I'm ready to take that step. So when I did that in January, I I will say I gave myself a few weeks just to work out, take walks, read books, just like mentally regroup. But after that, it was, okay, well, what am I going to do now? And again, I didn't have all the answers, but I started researching. I knew what space I wanted to be in. I knew that I wanted to be in diversity and inclusion. And so what I started doing is Google, right? Google is Mm -hmm. really your best friend. Start researching, what are people doing in diversity and inclusion? What are independent consultants doing? Maybe is that a path that I want to take? What do they specialize in? Are they very niche or are they broad? What kinds of knowledge do they have? A huge aspect of diversity and inclusion is EEO laws, and by that I mean compliance. One of the major things with corporations is being compliant of laws, are they following Title Seven and all of those things that go about that? So there's specialized knowledge with that. So looking that up, I then while I was doing my research, I came across the Certified Diversity Professional Certification. So I started on that path and researching, okay, what is it going to take? How much does it cost? Is this something that I want to invest in now? What kinds of dividends do I think it'll pay me? Is it going to add to my resume a little bit in terms of maybe the knowledge that I'm lacking? And then, of course, the whole podcast idea came about, which I think was a really great idea for me personally, because I would mentioned earlier that it really pushes me to research topics and think through them and being able to speak about them. A big aspect of diversity and inclusion is if I'm going to be the representative of that organization, I have to be able to confidently speak to the employees about what that means, what kinds of things need to change within the organization, what kinds of benefits will it bring. So for me personally, with the podcast, it enabled me to do that. For others, it could be maybe doing a blog. Maybe they're really passionate about writing things out and they're able to put their thoughts down on paper or on a computer with a blog, share those blogs on your social media. These are certain things that people can do just to sort of figure out what their path can be.
0: So, yeah, Yasmin, I I heard you say research, training, and also putting yourself out there to show that you have that subject matter expertise where people can go online and... For the job that you want, they can look and say, oh, she's written so many articles, so she has a podcast. So th- these are good steps. I I would say uh, just one other thing would be even revamp your resume to gear it towards not where you are, but where you want to go. If this is for you, I'm sure you had to change up your resume because most of what you did was consulting, government, process improvement, but now you want to start talking about your skills and all the training and what you have in DNI. Yasmin, this was really good information. I know your life lessons were weaved into your story a little bit, but do you have one overarching life lesson or any final message for the listeners?
1: Yes, I do. So in terms of life lessons, what I would say to you know any listener going through this, no matter what age you're at, It's really important to realize that your work life, your career, what you do has to align with your passions and what makes you feel happy and sparked inside. If you don't, you're going to realize quickly that even if you're good at something and you're generating the income that you want, you're not gonna have that inner peace. You're not gonna have that inner satisfaction. So in terms of my life lesson and what I learned, I think it took me many years to come to that. Honestly, if I had to pinpoint now looking back, when I decided that I wanted to create that employee resource group and initially got rejection, that was my first rejection. Then I was able to do it and it was successful, but then I got a second rejection of we're not ready for a full-time role. These were all signs mm-hmm. that I heed to. I just looked at them. They came to me and I just said, okay, and put my head down and continue to do what I was doing. But in reality, those rejections were signs for me at the time to pivot, right? At those moments.
0: Oh, that is so beautifully said because universe will keep giving you signs and it will, it won't give up on you. Like you saw, it will continue giving you the signs, but thank you for mentioning that. Sure. Yeah.
1: It's really important for people to be really aware of what's happening and take action with those signs. And really don't be afraid. So it's interesting. I'll say this. Diversity and inclusion today is very different than what it was in 2014. But clearly, I was onto to something then. Even when things were not formalized, there really wasn't a term called ERGs back then. DNI was more of a compliance exercise. But it was not something that was infused into an organization to really help the organization move along in terms of its strategy like none of that was in place but clearly when i felt that and approached senior leadership there was something there but i think i didn't fully trust myself
0: mm-hmm. because
1: i think at the time when i got my first rejection of we're not ready sure i could have left the company but even if i didn't leave the company there was something else that i should have continued to do and at the time i just said oh they've rejected me and that's it. And so that's what I want to share with the listeners is that when something like that happens, when you're onto something or you have an idea or a thought that's novel, and even when you share with others, they find value in it. When I had shared that idea with my friends, they were like, oh, wow, that's something I would want to be a part of. That's something that I need in my life right now. So you're going to get that validation from others. Believe in that. believe in that thought and do something else with it and you'll see you will see as your life moves along that as you get these validations and as you get these opportunities that it'll all link up and it'll all come together but you really have to believe in yourself you have to be aware of the signs and you have to go forth for your dreams and your passions
0: Wonderful. Last message, Yasmin. Thank you so much. And also I want to add to that, just be bold, be bold, go for your dreams. If you have a dream, you don't want to look back a few years from now and say, I wish I had done that. If you go for it and you believe in yourself, as Yasmin said, you'll see miracles happen. So Yasmin, thank you so much for being a guest. I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, stay well. Thank
1: you. I did too. Thank you once again. really appreciate being a part of this.
0: And good luck with your podcast. Thanks. Listeners, here is what I took away from Yasmin. Secondarily, if you have a network group in your company that you're working at, you should get involved in them. They benefit in many ways. I was the chairperson of Northeast for the Families Network at Ernst & Young. Feedback that I received from members is that what was being done for them and their families made them not only feel inclusive, but also helped them with their management of their work-life balance. So these networks have a myriad of benefits. But primarily what I understood from Yasmin is she said that if you feel stuck in your job and if your work life does not give you the inner peace then that is a sign for you to do something about it. And that is true not just in your professional life, but also in your personal life. Just be aware that you are being guided to a different path through undesirable events. Those are signs. So please take it upon yourselves to follow those signs. The creation of Sharing Life Lessons is my example of me following my instinct. And honestly, I have not found as much joy working on anything else as I am feeling in bringing this podcast to you. This brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I will bring you another episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Until then, be happy, be safe, and be well.